Welcome to Christ Community Church. We're so glad you guys joined us this week. We encourage you guys to sing along with us this morning. And I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn. Till I met you, and I was breathing but not alive. And all my failures, I tried to hide. It was my tune till I. that crazy. 
Good morning, C3. This is your call to worship. I'm going to read Psalm 147. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds their wounds. He determines the number of stars and he gives them all their names. God, our Lord, is great and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Let us pray. Dear Lord, be with us this morning as we listen to Pastor Larry and open our hearts and help us to remember to practice grace with one another and especially ourselves during these stressful and difficult times. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, August, for the call to worship this morning. Uh, Larry's message today, again, we're going to continue talking about God's grace. Uh, we're going to teach you a new song. Uh, it's called My Testimony. Uh, the reason I picked this song, there's a, there's a line in the course that says, because Grace rewrote my story. Uh, so we're going to teach it to you. You should get the hang of it. And uh, we're going to have some fun with it. And we encourage you guys to sing with us. I saw Satan fall like lightning I saw darkness run for cover But the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven I believe in signs and wonders I have resurrection power Still the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven Oh, my praise belongs to you forever This is my testimony from death to life Cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify And by Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified This is my testimony this is my testimony. Come together, sons and daughters, bought with blood and washing water. Sing the praises of the serious Son and Father. Our God will finish what He started. Oh my God. We'll finish what he started. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. You're not done Greater things are still to come Oh, I believe If I'm not dead, then you're not done Greater things are still to come Oh, I believe If I'm not dead, then you're not done Greater things are still to come Oh, I believe If I'm not dead, then you're not done 
testimony from death to life Cause of grace we wrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified This is my testimony Oh I'm alive This is my testimony from death to life Cause grace we wrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified This is my testimony this is my testimony. Oh, 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 oh. Good morning, C3 family. Welcome to our service this wonderful, beautiful, cool Sunday morning. Yeah, it is cool. And you know what else is cool? That's all. That song was great. That was a great song. Thank you. Yeah, you will. I do, we'll Thank do you. our best. If, what you. is it? If I'm not dead, I'm alive. If I'm not dead, if I'm not, not dead, done. Not he's done. not done. He's not done. Yeah. That, that, that sums great, it up, right? That's a great that was word. really good. That's well a great done. That's a great song. Well, again, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, last week, we began a two part study on grace. What does the Bible, what does God's Word say about grace? And last week we talked about what grace is and we talked about the reasons it's important, why it's vital that we are faithful and consistent in opening our lives up to the grace of God and its impact upon us. Um, this week we're going to be looking at uh, some places that God's Word uh, tells us about that we can go to get God's grace. There's some very specific places that the Bible mentions. And I want to start off today by just uh, all week I was thinking about two verses of Scripture, one from the 23rd Psalm, probably the most well-known chapter in the Bible, or at least one of those. And uh, there's a verse in Psalm 23, I think it's verse 5, in a, a translation that I found, and it says this, Lord, you continually care for me. You anoint my head with oil, and you fill my life with your grace. You continually care for me, anointing my head with oil, and filling my life or my cup with your grace. Mm. That's a great translation. That's a great translation, and it, it accurately reflects what David was saying in that psalm, uh, because it's not just there. That invitation that God gives us runs throughout the Scripture, continually inviting us to come to Him for grace. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, all those that are weary, come uh, in John 7, Jesus says, all those that are thirsty, come. In Isaiah 55, uh, God says, all those that are hungry and flat broke, that have no money, come, come unto me. So there's that continual invitation by God to come to him and experience fresh grace. Everyone is invited, but where are you supposed to go? I was thinking, Charlie, this morning about that um, 
what is that, Jose Gutierrez, is that uh-huh. his name? At, um, River Oaks. River Oaks, and then what's the one we drove by yesterday with oh, Kim? Erling Jensen. Yeah, Erling Jensen's. Uh, and those, those two chefs, uh, if they sent you a text and they said, uh, I want to make you a meal, <laughs> what a meal that would be. Uh, it's, it's a special meal just for you, and it's going to be great. I want you to come, period. Bye. Well, the first thing that you would do, the first thing I would do is we'd shoot a text back. When? Hey, thanks. <laughs> when and where? Yeah. When and where? where? How can I get in on it? Thanks for the invitation, but where do I go to get that meal that would be prepared by two of the greatest chefs in the city of Memphis? Um, we're invited by God to experience His grace, but it begs the question, where are we supposed to go to get that grace? The other verse that I was thinking of was that um, verse in Psalm, what is it, 19? Uh, Proverbs, I'm sorry. Proverbs 19, where Solomon says that a lazy man has food on his plate, but he won't even lift it to his mouth. It reminds me of... um Ebenezer Scrooge. Yes. Right? Yes. In the Christmas, we're trying to think of, you know, who does this in literature? <clears throat> and Ebenezer Scrooge, although we have commercialized that story grotesquely, that is a fabulous story of a man who had everything he needed, way more than he needed. To live an abundant, luxurious life. Oh, yeah. And, and to share with others to do the same. Yes. And yet he sat there in that cold corner with his little... A lump no. of coal. <laughs> a little uh, bit of soup. Freezing to death and some crummy old And he soup. had everything. Yes. And he did, he did not access it. Now, eventually, of course, he does, and that's what makes that story full of grace. Yes, that's exactly but, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Well, it just, and again, I mentioned, I think, last week, the image that kept coming back to my mind is, uh, and I've got one of these, and I bet you do too, a drawer in your mm-hmm. home somewhere, or a, a, I've got a little uh, pocket in my car, actually, in the door, and it's filled with gift cards. Gift cards that people have given Sherry and I freely. We didn't earn it. We didn't pay for it. We didn't deserve it. They're gifts. They were gifts. They're grace cards to all kinds of restaurants and coffee shops throughout Memphis. Most of them have been sitting there for years. They're, they have potential to give us great blessing, but they sit there and are never utilized. Actually, we do use them. So. <laughs> some of them we do, some I can remember. Uh, but the, it, how much like God's grace that is, that we uh, are given such abundant, amazing expressions of grace. They're given freely, they're available, they're full of potential, but do we utilize them, access them. Right, Yeah. right. It reminds me of this, you're probably going to have to help me out with this, but there's this story, we can't remember whether it's true or not, so we're going to act as if it's true, of a man who (laughs) wanted to take a cruise, but he he didn't have the means to get on the... I think it was true, I think I read it. Right, so he saves his money for years and years and years, and because he wants to, he wants to see the ocean. He wants to be on this cruise. It's his dream to go across the ocean. To on go the across the ocean. Right. So he finally does it. He finally raises the money, saves the money, buys his ticket. He gets on board. He goes to his room, his stateroom, whatever. Well, what he's done is he packed with him all this food, 
all this food and provisions and stuff because he thought on the cruise that the food was extra and he didn't have enough money. Everything on the cruise was extra. He thought everything was he extra. He just got a ticket. He didn't realize. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and, the, and the metaphor is great. He got a ticket to go to across the sea to another place. Well, he did that. Right. But in the evenings when everyone else went to go um, have this luxurious meal up he, he would go. walk around and watch them enjoying all the amenities on a cruise. The shows. Did, right, but he never benefited from them because he didn't think he could. He didn't think he could. Yeah. So he went down yeah. to, his, to his room and you're like eating crackers and <laughs> drinking water from a bottle. Right. When everything else was available, he finally makes it. He gets, he gets to his destination. He sees the sea, walks around. But he did not access what was available to him. He was disappointed right. in the trip. Because he thought that everything was extra. And so he wound up missing the joy of the journey because he did not avail himself of all those blessings. Well, and cruise ship as a metaphor really is a good one because there's just so much to avail yourself. It's almost too much maybe, but so much. And he, he, he arrived at his destination hungry and thirsty. Thank you. Well, you thought it up. Good story. Yeah, yeah, well, you thought that one up. It is a good story, though. Yeah, it is. And it's a great metaphor for our own lives. It is. Are we availing ourselves of the grace, the abundant, amazing grace that God has made available to each one of us? It's an important question. Those things beget themselves. Grace begets more grace. Yes, yes. Mercy begets more mercy. It's, It's... it's irony. It's it's un it's un hard to imagine, but it's true nonetheless. Yes, yes. Like, that's what makes it an act of faith. So it begs the question, at least for me, where are we supposed to go to get God's grace? Where do we go um, to in to benefit and enjoy the grace of God? Where are we to go uh, so that we will have grace to share with other people? Uh, and I want to be careful as I, I, I found 10 places in Scripture that God's Word tells us you can go and find the grace of God. I bet you there's another 10, 20, 30 that I, I just I had to cut it off somewhere. I just stopped uh, with 10. You, if you find some others, those of you that are students of God's Word, text them to me and let me know uh, the other places. But I found 10. But I want to be careful and, and say this. These are not rules. They're not laws. They're not things that I'm sharing with you to be burdensome. They're they're places that we can go when we recognize, I need the grace of God. I I feel empty. I I feel powerless. I have no desire to seek God, to serve God, to love God, to, to be a blessing to the people of God. My tank is running empty. Where can I go to find fresh grace? And I found 10 places, so let me just run through them with you. If you want to jot them down, good. If you want me to send them to you, text me again, and I will email them or text them to you. But where can we go to find the grace of God? And uh, let me just start. Number one, excuse me, God's Word. Uh, I found it very significant that a number of times, I'm going to give you two examples. One in Acts 14, the Bible says, Christ confirmed 
the testimony of the apostles miraculously through the word of his grace. What what a special description or title for the Bible. The word of God's grace. And then again in Acts 20, it says that, or Paul says, I entrust you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance. I love that. I entrust you to God and to the word of his grace. Why? If you avail yourself, it will instruct you, it will build you up, and it will give you an inheritance. A wonderful trip on that cruise ship. An inheritance. The word of God's grace. If you want fresh grace, read his word. Read his word. Inheritance, something that you did not do, but was just given to you freely. And it's yours by right. Yeah. Someone yeah. left it to you. They wanted you they to They provided it. it for you. Right. Question is, are you going to avail yourself of it? Uh, second one, pray. Now, again, these sound so simple, but Hebrews chapter 4, Paul says, let us with confidence draw near to God's throne of grace that we may find grace to help us at just the right time. Mm. Do I need grace? It's amazing how I will do everything (laughs) but pray. I'll think about it, worry about it, complain about it. Work on it. Work on it. Gripe to other people about what's wrong. I'll do, and I'll even think about praying about it. But do I stop and say, God, I'm empty. I'm powerless. I'm getting my fanny whipped on every level, spiritually, relationally, personally. I need your grace. Would you... Would you share fresh grace with me? Paul says, if you go to the throne of grace, you'll find fresh grace. People that spend time on their knees in the presence of God, they become gracious people, grace-filled people. A third one, uh, demonstrations and exercises of faith. People that, that... exercise faith. People that go, wow, here's an opportunity for me to trust God, to do something that I believe God wants me to do, but it's scary. If God doesn't help me, if God doesn't come through in this, it won't work. I'll fail, but I'm going to trust God. I'm going to step out beyond what I can control, beyond my comfort level, and I'm going to do something that I believe God wants me to do. Acts of faith. Paul says in Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith. See the connection between grace and faith. In Romans 5, Paul says, through Christ we have access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We have access to God's grace through faith. Am I willing to step out into realms where I have to depend upon God. Obviously, it includes trusting God for salvation. 
saying, God, I can't earn my way to heaven. I don't deserve heaven. I can't get there on my own. I trust you. And God says, if you'll do that, I'll give you the grace to be saved. But it's beyond that. It's more than that. That's the beginning. But God wants us to live a life of faith, continual faith, every day of our journey with him. And as we trust him, he will give us, according to Paul's words, fresh grace. Number four, we can find fresh grace by humbling ourselves. In Proverbs 3, James 4, 1 Peter chapter 5, the same exact words are used three times in a row. It says that God gives grace to people who humble themselves. And then in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says, my, or God says in 2 Corinthians 12, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. You want to experience grace? Lay down your mask. Lay down your sword. Lay down your shield. Lay down your rights. Lay down your image that you're perfect, that you don't make mistakes, that you're always right, that you can handle everything on your own. Admit your flaws. Admit your sin. And confess that you were wrong. Apologize. Ask people to forgive you. When we humble ourselves and admit our needs and our failures and our flaws, when we ask, we look people in the face and we ask them to forgive us, God will give us fresh, fresh grace when we humble ourselves. It's a great one right here. Number five. You want to know a source of grace? Your wife. Now, I'm going to jump out here a little bit and say, I'm assuming that also applies to your husband. But it doesn't say that. What it says in Proverbs chapter 18 is this. He who finds a wife finds a treasure and gains God's grace. Isn't that a, a, an amazing statement? He who finds a wife finds a treasure and he gains or experiences God's grace. One of my heroes, Tim Keller, uh, uh, most people would consider him one of the, the true leaders of Christianity in the United States today. He's an amazing man of God. He was being interviewed on the Today Show, and don't ask me who it was, but he was being interviewed on the Today Show one morning. Uh, this has been a while back. And that, who was, you know, anybody on the Today Show? I'm just going to use a name. Hoda. Hoda, okay. All right, I mean, it probably wasn't Hoda, but let's just pretend it was. And uh, Hoda was interviewing Tim Keller, and she was talking about all the things that he had done, all the books he'd written, the huge church that he had built, all the conferences that he spoke at, his position as being a leader of Christianity in the United States. And she looked him in the face and she said, uh, Dr. Keller, how do you stay humble? How do you stay grounded? How do you stay balanced and on track with all this fame and notoriety and popularity and compliments? How do you stay grounded? And he looked at her without batting an eye and said, Hoda, I got married. <laughs> Isn't that a, what a great response. And then he went on to say that it's my wife that reminds me every day I'm just a man. I put on my pants like everybody else. I mess up. I fail. I blow it just like everybody else. And what he was saying was what, exactly what Solomon said. God gives us a mate. Men, in particular, God gives us wives. 
Let's, I would like to think I, have, I play that role a little bit in my wife's life. But truthfully, it's not reciprocal. It's 90% her giving me grace. She does it much better than I do. But God gives us a mate to help us experience the grace of God. Number six, I got to hurry. Number six, um, listen to and speak words of kindness and compassion. Listen to these verses. Ephesians 4, Paul says, Don't speak vile, ugly, hate-filled words, but only words that build people up and give them grace. Proverbs 16 says, Gracious words give joy to our souls and healing to our bodies. David recognized how desperately he needed to do this to be a person who spoke words of grace, a person who spoke words of kindness and compassion. He says in Psalm 19, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the musings of my soul be filled with your grace. You want grace? Be in the presence of people that speak words of compassion and kindness. You want grace robbed of you, uh, sucked out of you? Do you want to live a life that is graceless? Live in the presence of people that speak hate-filled, harsh, mean, evil words. We live in a society that is graceless. True, we live in a society that is blessed with untold abundance. But we live in a society that to a large degree is graceless. And I attribute that in large part to the words that our society speaks to one another. They're graceless. They're hate-filled. And if we want to live lives where we experience the grace of God, we need to do whatever it takes to remove ourselves from people. And that means anybody that consistently speaks graceless, merciless, compassionless, mean-spirited, hurtful words. Another source of grace. And Shirley, if you have any well, thoughts, just thinking, you know, please. You can, you can be a person. We can learn to discipline ourselves to be people who only speak words of grace. And, and then that person can be a person of grace in the midst of all of that. Yes. You know, I mean, you, you see sometimes people who just seem to, to ride out the storms of, of all of this pretty easily. And, and, and people have a tendency to say, well, that's just the, her personality or that's just the way they are. They're lucky. Right. And I say, absolutely not. Right. That that is a discipline of, of, of only choosing to listen to at all possible and certainly to speak those words. You become that person. Yes. Might not save the whole world, but right. you become a person of grace in the midst of it, and that yes. is not nothing. Uh, that is not nothing. That is absolutely <laughs> Sorry about that true. Nope. <laughs> that's, no, that's wonderful. Um, thank you. I think of, uh, uh, as you were speaking, I think of David and Jonathan. Jonathan consistently showed David yeah. grace, and through Jonathan 
showing David grace. David became a person of grace, and later on, years later, he showed grace to Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son. Of course he did. People that intentionally fill their lives with grace, they become people of grace, as you said, and then they're able to share that grace with other people. But don't miss my point. This point, we need to get away from people that speak the opposite because it will rob us of the grace that God wants us to operate our lives in. Uh, number seven. Like eating poison. Yes, exa- that's exactly right. It, uh, another means of grace is example. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 6. Grace without holiness is dead. Don't tell me you revel in God's grace if the way you live doesn't back up what you say. Mercy. <laughs> yes. Grace without holiness is dead. Don't tell me you revel in God's grace if the way you live doesn't back up what you say. What's Paul saying? Don't he's saying live what you say is important. Walk the talk. Um, and the way I interpret that is simply this. The smaller the gap is between the life that I live and the life that I proclaim or present, the image that I want people to leave, the smaller the gap between the image that I want y'all to believe about me. This is what I think is important. This is what I think is right and wrong. This is how I think people ought to... The smaller the gap between that and how I actually live when everybody's gone, when it's just me and Sherry, or even when Sherry's not here, the smaller the gap, the more grace that God pours out upon my life. Not saying that you have to agree with me or I have to agree with you. We might have a very different opinion on what a godly life, a wise life, a good life looks like. But are we both living out what we want people to think, what we want people to believe, what we're telling people that we're doing and living? The smaller the gap, the greater the amount of grace that God will give to us. And also the greater the amount of grace that we can share with others. People are dying to have somebody in their life that lives what they believe, that they can trust, that they can emulate, that they can follow, that they can believe in. And we have a desert. We have a desert as a society. We have no one. We have no one in our society that actually lives what they believe. Now, I know that I realize that there are some, but the, the standard, we don't, we don't trust that, pe- that people in Washington or the people on the TV or, or, or in our, the famous people in our society are living out what they believe. Hence, we have a graceless society. Number eight. That song that Chris, I didn't ask him to sing that song, and he didn't know what I was going to talk about today, uh, but I find it amazing. Number eight, 
the Bible says, you want grace, you want fresh grace, share your testimony. Acts 4 says, with great power, the apostles shared their testimony about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. When's the last time you told somebody what you thought about Jesus Christ, what he meant to you? what he did for you when you accepted him as your savior. When's the last time you told somebody how you became a Christian? When's the last time you told somebody what Jesus was doing in your life right now? You want some fresh grace? Share with people in your own way what God has done and is doing in your life. You want fresh grace around the dinner table? One night, blow everybody out of, the, out of the room by just saying, you know, I was reading in the Bible yesterday something that God showed me or God did something for me. Or, you know, I don't know that I've ever told you when I was 17 or 18 years old, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. You want to see everybody's mouth fall open and their food fall back out on their plate? Share with them something that God has done or is doing in your life and it'll give you fresh grace and them as well. Number nine, Use your spiritual gift within the body of Christ. 1 Peter 4, as each of us has received a gift from God, use it to serve one another within the body as good stewards of God's varied grace. And then number 10, do good works. Impact somebody with good. Become a blesser. Become a giver. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 2. You have been saved by grace through faith, and you were created in Christ for good works. 2 Corinthians 9. God is able to give you abundant grace so that you may abound in doing every good work. 1 Corinthians 15. For by God's grace I am what I am, and God's grace wasn't wasted for I have worked harder, the implication is, worked harder doing good deeds, doing good works, than anyone. It, but it wasn't me, but it was God's grace at work in me. And then finally, 2 Corinthians 8. Paul says, I want you to excel by helping the needy, which is grace in action. Mm. You want fresh grace? Do something for somebody that cannot do anything in return. Help somebody in need. Help somebody you don't know. Help somebody that you would not normally help and that will not pay it back. You want some fresh grace? Do good deeds. Mm -hmm. Be a giver. Be a blesser. Be somebody that makes the life better for somebody else. And God says, I will pour out upon you fresh grace. I know we're living in a very difficult time, and I'm not making light of that, whether it's issues related to school or job or our society. This is a very difficult time in the life of our country. But just being very honest with you, uh, it's hard for me sometimes, according to my wife, according to a source of grace in my life, it's, she has to remind me to be empathetic. <laughs> Because truthfully, um, while it is hard in our society, we still are the beneficiaries of such abundant blessings and grace. I've been in parts of the world, South America, 
Central America, Africa, Asia, uh, Eastern Europe, right after the wall fell years ago, uh, back in the early 90s, I guess it was, or uh, I guess yeah. the late 80s. Uh, anyway, I've been in homes and in communities where moms and dads would go to the food closet or pantry or shelf cabinet and open it, and there was nothing there. Their kids were crying and hungry, and they opened the cabinet, and there was no. I don't mean there wasn't your favorite box of cereal or something like that. There was nothing there. I've been with families when their children were burning up with a fever or an infection, and they opened the medicine cabinet, if they even had one, and there was nothing there. There's nothing harder in the world than to be around people that you love and care about who have genuine need and you have nothing to offer them. Our families, the people we work with, the people that we live in community with, they desperately need and long for fresh grace, for God's grace. They long for it. They need it. And I believe God has called you and me to be sources of that grace. But we can't share with others what we have not obtained and benefited from ourselves. Our families, our workplaces, our communities have no greater need, have no greater desire than to experience God's grace. And they're going to do that through you and me. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And so if you have bread and you have wine or juice in your home, I hope that you'll get that ready and celebrate the Lord's Supper with us. I believe that celebrating the Lord's Supper each week is a means of grace. It's a means through which we are reminded where our minds are taken back to what Jesus did for us on the cross and how much he loves us and his commitment to us. And so we eat and we drink to remember and to give thanks and to rejoice in the Savior that gave his life so that we could be the beneficiaries of God's wonderful and amazing grace. So Shirley, you take that, please. And I'm going to take this. She represents the body of our Savior. She represents the Lord's blood. And we eat and we drink this in thanksgiving and in praise for the amazing grace and love that our Savior has shown us when he died on the cross for us. One quick little word before we end today. Tonight, we're going to have a very special in-person gathering. Our church is at 6 o'clock. And uh, we're just going to be gathering for, uh, oh, 45 minutes or an hour. We're going to be singing, studying God's Word, and just spending some time enjoying one another. We're going to take the precautions, the necessary precautions to keep everybody safe. Right. If you would like more information about where that is and how to be involved in that, please email or text me, and I'll give you some information about that. Lastly, let me give you just a closing blessing in Psalm 90. The psalmist says, may the Lord show us his grace and bless all that we do with great success.
Thank you for being with us today. Lord bless you. for joining us this week. We are Christ Community Church. We'll be back here at 1015 Facebook Live and YouTube Live. You guys have a great week. We'll see you tonight if you're joining us. And uh, if not, we'll see you next week. Thank y'all.